Welcome to the Root of Power podcast, where I teach you how to step into your power, find alignment, and create a life that you love using holistic methods, interviews with industry leaders, and inspiring stories from people who know that true freedom is found within. I'm your host and health and wellness bestie, Amanda Chills, and I'm so proud of you for choosing to step into the root of your power. Hello. I have got a freebie for you guys. If you want to learn to get more in touch and in tune with your emotions, a process that we call embodying your emotions, as in feeling them in your body, I have got a free guide to do just that. If you go to amandachills.com slash communication, it's free. <laughs> you, that actually helped. Okay, hello podcast fam. We are here with Becky and she is the owner, genius behind Full On Purpose, which works with your Enneagram. And you may say, what the heck is an Enneagram, Amanda? Well, friends, that's why we have Becky here to tell you. So welcome to today, I guess. I don't know. Welcome to the show. (laughs) Thanks so much. This is super exciting and I loved our interview that we did together, so I was totally cool with jumping on and doing one with you. So this is so great. Fun. I love when we like make connections and it's like we help each other. Yeah, and I love the world of podcasting too because it's basically we're letting everybody eavesdrop on our conversation, and that's it's it's that technical. <laughs> yeah, and I tell everyone like I'm a counselor because I'm nosy. Well, I also love to help people, but like nosy. So oh, totally. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So tell us about you. Yeah, so I live in Louisiana. I have three beautiful children and a husband, of course, he's wonderful. And um, I'm a health coach and a life coach. And so I realized I had the mindset part. I had the body part with the food and nutrition. So I was like, okay, what else is there that I need to look into? So I started studying the Enneagram and just realized, okay, there's some different drivers. They're going to help us to relate with each other, understand ourselves better, some things that we thought maybe quote unquote were wrong with us are just mm-hmm. how God made us, which I love. And so just diving in, the deeper I get in, the less I feel like I know because <laughs> it's just, it expands. <laughs> right. So and yeah. I, I think that's a hallmark of um, awareness with knowledge too, is like the more you know, the less you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, so how did you get into health coaching? So I... Actually, it started with postpartum depression with my first son. So he's nine now and um, just gained a lot of weight and my emotions were all over the place. I didn't realize it was postpartum back then. I have a lot more knowledge now to be able to recognize the signs. I thought my first kid, it's just hard. I'm, you know, I'm a school teacher. And so my job is stressful. I'm up all hours. So I just assumed this is just what motherhood is and I'm just not doing a good job. Yeah. 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 So and, you know, that it kind of started back then. So that was 2014. Um, You know, when I was feeling that way, he was born in 2011. I had another child in 2013, um, had another major major surgery in between there. So like my body was just not really recovering well. Yeah. Um, And so it, it started where I really was focused in 2014. Like, OK, this is a lingering depression. This is mm-hmm. not baby blues because. I've got two kids now. 
you know, my second one's one. Like, <laughs> I don't think it's supposed to last this long. So just started looking into it, looking at how food affects your body, looking how sugar affects your mind. Um, yes. With my first son, I had gestational diabetes. So I was like, oh, well, that's not going to have anything to do with anything else later. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I've struggled with insulin resistance and all those types of things. And so that's really how I got started with the health coaching part. Um, and then also for my husband, too, we both kind of have a lot of mood type things that happen. And so for him and I, we work together looking at food. He started hitting the gym really hard, lifting weights. Nice. I didn't. <laughs> I was like, it's I, not can, for everybody. I can work on the food part and yeah. walk with my daughter. That sounds good. Why not? So, Yep. And then part of the health coaching program was that they offered a life coaching certification if you wanted to. So I was like, yes, let's keep going. So absolutely. Yep. So that's now, can you explain what the difference is between a health coach and a life coach? Yes. For a health coach, we're going to be more focused on how to put foods together, which foods you'd want to look for, which foods you want to avoid. It doesn't, the way that I learned it, it doesn't follow any particular protocol. So it's not keto, it's not um, paleo, it's not anything specific. Although I do have certifications like as a keto coach as well, you can branch off from that and learn more about the specific diets. But really with health coaching, it's just understanding who you are when you're eating, where you're eating, what you're eating, how you're eating. So more like, nutrition focused. Yeah, a lot more nutrition focused. Um, and then with the life coach, and you do have some, they, they do intermingle, really. They work yeah. together hand in hand. But for the life coaching, it's more about understanding um, how to be connected with that which is greater. So whatever that means for you, for me, and that for me, that means God. So being connected with him, understanding, you know, that you need um, a higher power to be able to help. And then also understanding your relationships with other people, not to the depth of the Enneagram, but just understanding how you interact with other people, how to keep your mindset right, that kind of thing. So one's to me more physical, one is more spiritually emotional. Okay. Yeah. So you blend all of those then. So I imagine when someone hires you that they get the whole like umbrella, if you will. Oh yeah, for sure. Cause I, you know, I, and that's what I realized. And when I first started, I was like, oh, I'm just going to change my food and then everything's going to be great. <laughs> yeah. No, no, didn't work. So it's like, okay. It well, yeah, it did help. It did help. And I'm like, oh, it's my mindset. It's my mindset. Mm. So I changed my mindset, didn't focus much on the food. And I'm like, oh, I still feel bad. Crap. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm like, okay, my mindset's good. My food's good. Now my relationships and I'm struggling with my kids or I'm struggling right. with my husband. And I'm like, ah, what am I doing wrong? So yeah, yeah. It's, it's totally all intertwined and just separated is, is really just to work on one part of, of who you yeah. are. That's why I like practitioners who are truly holistic, meaning they take all the systems into account. So we've got a ton of wellness practitioners who say they're holistic, but they don't take into account spirituality. They don't take oppression or systemic racism or poverty or access to healthcare or, yeah. you know, any of those things. They don't take nutrition into account or movement. I think for me, what I'm seeing so much of a lack in this space is movement and how yeah. it's connected to your brain health and neuroplasticity and the crap that you eat has an effect on your mood. So it's really hard to tell someone like, it's your mindset, reframe your thoughts, rewire your brain. Like that, that con artist snake oil BS, this is a rant and I'll end it <laughs> in a second. <laughs> 
and these people don't take into account like literal forces that people deal with. So they're not holistic. So I love that you have both and you truly take a whole person perspective. Like if you're just changing your diet, you can only do so much. If you're not connecting with a higher power, if you're not connecting with other people, you you can only do so much. So I love that you're doing the whole thing. Now, how does the Enneagram work into all that? Yeah. So, and I do want to say an, another point too, to what you were just saying. I think whenever somebody starts, they're like, what's going to be the path of least resistance because we're human sure. and that's just what we do. And so I do want to speak to the fact that if you start with your nutrition and you just start there, understand that that's a good thing and that's a, yes. you're doing a good job. Right. So start there, but realize that's not where you end. So joining a Facebook group, joining um, 21 day reset program, all of those things are amazing. I've done them. I've run them. I have them now. But yeah. doing that in isolation is our point. You can't right. just do one thing and expect in a complete turnover. And maybe you will have it at first. Like, oh, I've lost, you know, 40 pounds. I feel like I have my life back. You're soon going to hit a roadblock and be like, well, okay, I'm not as happy as I first was. Why not? And that's how chronic dieting, that's how the dieting world works, which is why right. I hate it so much. But just understand that you don't have to change everything all at once. And we don't want you to change everything all at once. Right. So, so please don't take that away from, from what we're saying. <laughs> Start with right. one thing, do it well, and then just know that this can't expand. And that's a great right. thing. It's a journey and that's perfectly fine. And everything is intersectional. So your diet yeah. affects your mood, affects right. your relationships, affects your sleep. Like it's all intersectional for people who've never heard that term before. You're welcome. Everything intersects. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There's your word of the day. You can go around and use it and sound really smart. SAT word of the day, people. There you go. Sectional. Send because out an email with your... Identity. Your word. I get those word of the day. I don't know if you do. I get words of the day and I'm like, I can't even read the word of the day. So for me to remember what the definition is, I'm just going to have to unsubscribe because this makes me feel really stupid. You know, what's funny is I started getting like, I don't know if other people have this. I'm sure we do. Like I started getting a word of the day. It was like genius of the day or some whatever, mm-hmm. but I, I never signed up for that email. So I don't know where it came from. Oh, yeah, I didn't either, but I thought maybe I did and I just forgot. But yeah, no. it was just random. It just started. You know what? I wonder if it's connected like with Quora or something because Quora, like I've been trying to unsubscribe for like three years. <laughs> I'm, I'm not even kidding. There's so many segments of it. Like you unsubscribe from one thing and it's like, oh, but you're subscribed on another, right. another thing. And I get like random things in my messaging. I'm like, what? What is even how am I even on this thread? Like it has nothing to do with anything I do. <laughs> Email campaigns are sneaky. Yeah. But they have nothing to do with Enneagram. So no. <laughs> no. So for the Enneagram, the thing that I love about it is it will encompass all of the different things that you have. So um, the thing I like to talk about is the core motivations, because whatever your motivation is going to be is going to drive all of these other things that we're talking about. How okay. you eat, how you approach relationships, how you handle stress, especially right now. How are mm-hmm. you relating to the pandemic? Um, things with the election. Um, also your core longings and then your weaknesses. So. Whereas somebody can jump into a new eating plan and do it perfectly, never, you know, fall off the wagon, quote unquote. And then you try it and it's like three days into it, you're caving and you're like, oh, I'm just not good at this. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe you're just built differently and it's it's just how you relate with things. So understanding who you are at the core, what your motivations are, what your weaknesses are, what your longings are will give you direction into all these other things. So 
although I'm I'm studying this at the end, really, if I would have had this in the beginning, it would have branched off into all these other things so much better. So I'm kind of flipping the script on everything and starting from mm-hmm. truly like what your podcast truly at the root of what what's happening. Love that. So there are so Enneagrams is something I heard about not super long ago. So I'm very new to them. So imagine I am me who doesn't really know anything about Enneagrams. <laughs> oh, it's going to be hard. <laughs> I'm just me. Um, now there's nine of them. Like, so mm-hmm. they are subsets of your personality. They are like, when you say their weaknesses, motivations, whatever, what does that mean? Okay. So there are nine general ways or general types of people that view the world in a certain way. So nine different view types, if you want to think of it that way. Sure. Um, of course, there are multiple levels of each kind. So don't feel like the Enneagram is going to box you in. I hear that a lot. I don't want to be boxed in. I'm like, well, just wait a minute. Jump in the box that you think is most like you, and then we can dive right. in deeper and then find where you fit. Because um, people can have subsets, right? So oh, you can be yeah. mostly a six, but also a two and four. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. Now, a lot of people, too, will usually narrow in on their top three types. Mm-hmm. And then I say, OK, from there, you can dive in deeper. What are the motivations, et cetera? And then you're going to really go with one that you're going to okay. feel is, is more intact. So would you like for me to run down what the nine are so people can kind of hear? OK, please. So and like I said, you can be more, everybody is all of these at some point. It's just mm-hmm. one's going to have more weight for you than another person. Okay. So a type one is a moral perfectionist. So these are going to be people who want to be right. So their core longing or their core desire, excuse me, is to have integrity and be good. So these are going to be everything's organized because that's what's right. Their homes Mm -hmm. are clean because that's what's right. So that's going to be something that drives them. For a type two, they're going to be your supportive advisor. So these are the people who are, I like to call them the helpers. They are going to help everybody. They're the ones at your family gatherings that's going around to make sure everybody has enough food Mm -hmm. and they're going to help you get the food, whether you want it or not, (laughs) they're going to help you (laughs) depending on how healthy of the number they are. (laughs) Yeah. Um, A type three. So I'm a type three, the successful achiever. And so our core desire is having a high status or being respected, um, being admired, successful. Okay, so we are lifelong learners. We're always wanting to get more certifications and things like that. For a type four, it's the romantic individualist. So their desire is going to be to be unique and special and authentic. Musicians, artists, um, trying to think of something else. Probably some entrepreneurs. Yeah, entrepreneurs, people who who don't want to fit into a mold of any kind. Okay. Okay. A type five is the investigative thinker. So a lot of um, analytical type jobs are going to fit with a type five. Engineers, people who are going to want to figure out how something ticks, understand all the facts about it, be able to break it down and and see how everything works. So, yeah, so they want to be capable and competent. That is their core desire. For a type six, this is my husband. He's a loyal guardian. Um, Yeah, isn't that awesome? (laughs) So they want to have security, guidance and support. So you're the type six. I like to think of as like a bodyguard. They're going to um, be looking around. They're going to be thinking worst case scenario. But if they're a healthy six, they're going to think worst case scenario in that. Hey, well, let's look at this before we jump in and make sure 
that this is going to work? Or could we think of it from this way? And right. an unhealthy six is going to be like, you know, we're not going to have enough food. We're going to have enough money. Always on panic, anxiety. Like the very spectrum end of the anxiety. Yes. Mode. Right. Sky is right. falling. Okay. Yeah. But a healthy type six is a, a wonderful, wonderful um, help to you because they're very good at problem solving and seeing, yes. oh, okay, that might not work. Okay. Um, type seven, entertaining optimist. These are our fun people. They're, they love hosting parties. They love traveling. Anything that's fun, they're all about it. So their core desire is to be happy, fully satisfied, and content. Mm, that sounds like me. <laughs> yeah, I would say probably. Yeah, I think it might be so. Have you taken the test? Yeah, so when I first heard about it, I'm one of, I like really love personality tests, which is another too. reason why I'm a therapist. I'm like, let me figure you out. Let me help you figure yourself out is really yeah. what I do. So I took it, and I was a seven, and then I, I think the one that you said – what was a four? What was the four? Romantic individualist. Yeah, I think probably those are my two. Mm -hmm. Fun. Okay, what's number eight? Yep. So for eight is the protective challenger. So a um, an example of a protective challenger would be Martin Luther King. So mm -hmm. he is, uh, there's several different eights. A lot of times when people think of an eight, they think of, um, someone who's a very strong personality, they, you know, like the, the top of the business ladder, they're just, sure. they're going to dominate the room because their core desire is to be protected. Protective or protected? Both. Okay. Protective of their insides, of their feelings. They don't mm -hmm. want to be, they don't want authority to be, mm. um, they don't want to be controlled by authority. Okay. Okay. But then the protective part is for those less fortunate, those who can't mm -hmm. help themselves that type of thing. They want to be protective of those people. And then for a type nine, these are the crown of the Enneagram. They are the peaceful mediators. They kind of keep all the rest of us um, in unison if they're at a healthy level. So their core desire is to have inner stability and peace of mind. So these are the people who, if there's any kind of conflict, they're just going to shut down because mm -hmm. they don't want to fight about anything. They want everything to just be peaceful. And, you know, sometimes it's not not realistic to do that. But for them, right. that is their mechanism of, like, I'm just going to shut down. The family's fighting. Like, imagine a mother who has two daughters that are fighting right. against each other. She has trouble getting in between it because she doesn't mm -hmm. want any kind of conflict. Right. So that's like a nine million you know, foot view of the Enneagram. <laughs> so it's interesting when you talk about these because, um, and we can go into this or not go into this. It's just something that I was thinking when you were saying, some of them sound like family patterns or trauma responses. So for example, if it's someone smart. shuts down when there's conflict, that's a trauma response because you never learned how to deal with conflict, how to tolerate your own emotional turmoil so that you can put it aside and then solve the problem or whatever. Protective trauma response. You, um, thank you, cat. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently he's protective. He's um, like, it's me. You figured like, it out. Ah, it's me. Um, so some of those things are a trauma response. Like if you are always, always organized, perhaps you grew up in a home where everything was chaotic and this is how you respond. So I don't know how much that like 
plays a role, although everything we go through shapes our personality and who we are. So I would imagine it plays some role. And it sounds like when those um, numbers are, you say imbalanced and it translates in my head, or you say unhealthy and in my head it translates as imbalanced. So like one is too much. So if you're too protective and you can't access the other numbers, then it causes an imbalance. Does that make sense? Like, is that true? Am I, am I like yeah. way off the base? No, no, you're, you're, this just shows how good you are at what you do. Um, <laughs> because yeah, it is absolutely part of childhood conditioning part of, I don't know all the fancy words like you have, but yes, <laughs> it is from the childhood messaging. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Because, um, one of the examples like for, for school that I went to, which is your Enneagram coach, she talks about, um, and I, I'm not going to get into all the numbers of it, just an example to give you an idea. Sure. You know, a child goes into timeout because they were not listening. Sure. Um, so they go into timeout and the parent accidentally forgets that they're in timeout. Oh yeah. Okay. So for one child that's going to interpret into, I'm not important for another child. It's going to interpret into I'm forgotten and I have to protect myself. For another, you know, for another, it's just, it's going to translate differently. So different things that we have are going to translate based on kind of the bare bones of what we're already, we already start with, like the material that we already start with. And then how these messaging messages come to us yeah. will shape us for when we get older. So a lot of times like a type eight, not always. So just keep that in mind. But sometimes like for a type eight, perhaps they had parents who worked a lot or parents who were not attentive or they lived in a home with a lot of turmoil or addictions or whatever. And they grow up saying, I have to be tough on the outside. Mm -hmm. I have to be defensive. I have to protect myself. Yep. And think about, they have siblings. I have to protect those who can't protect mm -hmm. themselves. So I'm the big boss. I'm the one that has to be, make sure that the world does not yep. attack. Okay. So that would be like a type eight. Yeah. There I actually go. run into that a lot with people who experience um, childhood abuse. Yes. They become, yes. So like in order to kind of heal that wound, mm -hmm. they become so protective over anyone who they view as mistreated. Yes. Yes. Interesting. So it really sounds like it gives people a framework to understand their own behaviors and like reactions in certain situations. Yes, I would say so. I, and I can give a personal example. So sure. I am working with an Enneagram coach myself, like as a, a client right now. Um, and so an example would be if I feel like somebody is one upping me question, mm -hmm. you know, quote unquote, let's say it's for Christmas. If they are wanting to buy a gift that I wanted to buy because my kids have said, Oh, I just want to get this. And I'm like, all right, I am on a mission to get whatever it is that they wanted. Yeah. And then, you know, somebody says, Oh, well I, I wanted to get that for them. It just rocked my world. Like this happened yesterday. It rocked my world, but like it so should not because it means my kid will get the gift and I have the money to buy something right. else now. Like that's stupid, you know, like on a logical level. Right. So, like, I was almost in tears about it. And I, I started thinking, okay. And of course, I'm like, all right, put on my counselor hat here, you know. <laughs> what yeah. is it that you're feeling? Why, what's triggering? Why are you so, doing this? Yeah. The thing that I love about the Enneagram is that it allows you to see your responses to things, just how you naturally react. But it also helps you to look into where are some of those wounds that you didn't even realize were there. Because really what it's rooted in is as a type three, 
our um, our core fear is being exposed, thought incompetent, um, worthless, failing to appear successful. Yeah. You following me? So somebody else buys the gift for my kid. One, I didn't feel their need. Two, now the other one is the best, quote unquote, right. because they got the gift, right? But yeah. really it translates into that we do things to earn love. Mm-hmm. So the more that I do, the more I'm loved. So right. if I'm not doing this for my child, I feel like I'm not going to be loved as much from them. And I know that's kind of a silly example, but it is, it's but literally it's happened silly. yesterday. Cause it's it happens like, all the time. What in the world is happening? Why am I so upset about this? Right. Yeah. So, and that's what I love about it. Cause it, it allows you to look and be like, why? And the thing I like to say is the Enneagram is like, why did I do that? <laughs> or why yeah. do I feel this way? Yeah. And that's funny that you mentioned that because I was literally teaching this last night, like how to experience an emotion and not shame ourselves, which is what I'm hearing. The Enneagram allows people like, so my brain is very visual. So I'm imagining like a trellis that like, a like, uh, like Ivy grows up, like it gives them a structure and a framework to grow. That was a good one. I should really, yeah. Sometimes I'm like, Hey brain, hey. sometimes I look for my glasses that are on my face. <laughs> it's all about it's all about <laughs> it's keeping, yeah keeping you balanced there <laughs> um so it gives people a framework to grow and not to shame themselves what i find clients do all the time is they shame their reactions and right. that doesn't we think it leads to change because we're we are shamed for our reactions but it doesn't it's just demotivating and then we feel like crap and then we're in this like crap cycle and it sucks so yeah. having a non-judgmental framework to say oh this is an archetype right which is really what an enneagram is it's archetypes to say why am i reacting this way oh because my pattern my personality that you know i adopted yep is the protector is the helper is um the mediator and then we can, it like gives us a, it sounds like it gives us a lens to say, like, just to gain insight. So like when you work with clients and they start gaining that insight, what changes do you see or what changes have you seen in yourself? Yeah. So for me, I like to think of the Enneagram as, because I'm visual too. So I like to think of it as like a flashlight. And so in the, in yes. the very beginning, it's going to shine a light onto this is what's happening. This is mm-hmm. what's behind the scenes. It's not that you're crazy. It's not that you're broken. It's not whatever. This is just, let's just look at it for what it is. Take emotion out of it and just look at it. Yes. Um, yes. And then I like to think of it as a compass because it says, okay, here's the roadmap that you're looking at. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to take into the compass and see the direction that you're on right now, the path that you're on, the mindsets, the beliefs that you're are taking on, where are they going to lead you? Love is that. this taking you to where you want to be or do we need to course correct just a little bit? Can you and repeat then, that? Which part? <laughs> that. I yeah. just want people to hear it again because yeah. yes. Yeah. I just use it as a roadmap, using it as a compass because a lot of times we see where we are right now. We can't see where we're going, but using it with the flashlight, using it with the compass, it will show you exactly what path you're on and where you're headed. And then you get to make the decision before you get there of what to do. Great. I'm like, <laughs> if I could scream on this podcast, and not hurt everyone's ears, I would scream right now. So it allows you 
the ability to take a step back yes and say what am i doing what happens if i continue to do this and then and and i always call that like a space in that little bitty bitty space you get to say is this the life that i want is this who i want to be and what happens if the answer is no so for me i take it to the third step once i understand excuse me i understand where i'm going deciding if I like it or not. I like to use it as a rumble strip, like on the highway, like you're falling asleep and it it wakes you up. So I like to use it to say, okay, now I understand how I am at a healthy level, where I am, where I'm like kind of healthy, but kind of struggling a little bit. And then where I'm just completely drowning. And so the rumble strip helps me to know, oh, you're veering off course. You said you wanted to go here. You're headed in a different direction. We need to just kind of, you know, pivot just a little bit and see where to go. So it, it's it's just been amazing, you know, in my marriage with my kids, all of it, because it, it just opens your eyes to all kinds of things. And then understanding them and like, oh, that's why you got mad when I did this. Yes. When I'm like literally standing there, have no idea why he's angry. Oh, yeah. because it's his childhood wounding. It's it's mm-hmm. mine. It's this. It's whatever. So and it helps. Very us. Powerful. It, I think allowing I call that process depersonalizing. I don't know what other people call it. Um, but like when it. we when we recognize that our reactions aren't about the other person, this is so funny because I was just talking about this last night, and their reactions aren't about us. It allows us to have more compassion too, because now we're not if we're not taking it so personally, it gives us that space to say, why are you doing this? Oh, it's because blah 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 blah. Um, yeah. Like I'll tell you, my boyfriend has a thing about like. I ask a lot of questions because I don't understand things and um, I like to understand things. I want them to make sense so that I can accept them. That's what I need. (laughs) Number four. So I ask a lot of questions when I was working like for other people, I would, it would often be termed like insubordination, but I was just like, I just want to understand why we have the policies that we have. Or um, like last night with my boyfriend, I was like, well, why we were, uh, cooking burgers in the oven. And he said, well, we have to flip them. And I said, why do we have to flip them? Like, I don't, I don't understand why. And he was like, why are you questioning everything I do? And I was like, because I don't know why we would do that. And I just let it know. So yeah. it comes up in like every, so it doesn't have to be big things is kind of the point I'm making. It can come up in everyday things. If you are, for example, maybe on an extreme and tell me if this is landing, like if you are a helper and you um, get together with a partner who loses their job, sometimes on the unhealthy spectrum, that be- can become an enabler. Oh, totally. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. And two, um, okay, let's use the example of a two. And so for Remind a two, do what? Remind me what a two is. The helper. The helper. Okay. The helper. Yeah. So for a two, as a helper, you're driven and you uh, very generalized, but you understand love through you helping other people. Mm-hmm. That's what fills your bucket. Okay. Yeah. For, for others, it's going to be different things, but for a two helping is what just lights them up. Mm-hmm. So if you are married to, let's say an eight who uh. does not want to have anybody in charge um, anybody telling them what to do, that kind of thing. And you're like, oh, I just, and they lost their job. We'll use the example mm. that you have. 
Well, they lost their job. Well, first of all, they're like, fine, I'm just going to find another one and I'm going to go out and, and do whatever. Sure. And then the two's like, let me help, let me help, let me help. And they, it's like, leave me alone. I can do this on my own. I'm strong. I'm, you know, I'm this. And it turns into this power struggle sure. where really both of them are just trying to get love because they right. want to protect their family because that's their job. They have to protect right. them and make sure they're safe, which means they have money, which means they have safety in a home. They're not going to lose their house. They have you know, food on the table, which comes from the money. So they're driven by that. Yeah. And while they're doing that, they're not paying attention um, to the to their type two helper because sure. their focus is about getting this because now I'm not loved because I'm not protecting. And that's not the language so, that they speak. It's not. It's not. Another example of that is you have the different triads. So you have like groups of um, these numbers. There's nine numbers, so there's three groups. You have the heart triad, the head triad, and the gut triad. So, and it, it's not real important right now which numbers go in, in which, but like, for an example, I am a three with a two wing, but I have four um, parts of me as well. So I'm literally the whole heart triad, okay? Mm -hmm. So I can That's be a hot right. mess a lot. Whenever <laughs> I'm like all in my feelings and, and yeah. not, not paying attention to the rumble strip here, and I'm just like all over the highway, okay? Whereas, um, I'll give you an example, my dad, He's an investigative thinker. He's a type five. So he's, well, here's the facts. Here's this. Here's whatever. <laughs> so here's 14-year-old me. Oh, my boyfriend broke up with me, daddy. I'm just so upset. And he's like, well, why did that happen? And I'm like, what do you mean? I'm just upset. And I'm like wanting to talk about my feelings. And he's like, I'm trying to get the facts of what happened here. And I'm like, I don't want to talk about the facts. I want to talk about that yeah. I'm hurting right now. And he's like, it's not that he didn't want to be sensitive. Right. It's just not his language. He feels right. secure in having the facts. I feel secure in feeling like you hear me and you understand that I'm hurting and you recognize right. that I'm hurting. And so there's this disconnect that happens and that happens a lot with married couples because they're like, why don't you want to spend time with me? And he's like, well, because I'm a five and I need to recharge. And that's literally how I recharge. Right. And for me, I'm like, I recharge by being with people. So, you know, <laughs> I'm running one to spend time with him. He's trying to run away. Like, no, I've got to have time. And right. it, and once you understand that, then it's like, oh, he just needs to recharge. It has nothing to do with me. Yeah. Then it's now, very empowering. Are Enneagrams how we receive love or how we communicate love? Or are they just a framework for um, understanding the world and like our place in it? Or both. is it both? It's both. Okay. Um, I feel like you can... To me, it boils down to the motivations because you have a weakness. So that's the thing you're always trying to, quote unquote, fix or trying to get away from. Um, you have a core fear, which that's actually what you're running away from. The core weakness is usually just what you struggle with. Okay. Um, and then you have a core longing, which is just what you want to hear, like the ultimate compliment. What mm -hmm. would just make your day feel amazing? Yeah. Um, and then core desire. So this is what you're always working towards. So I think where the love would come in is if you're struggling a lot with the core weakness, you mm -hmm. feel it makes you feel like a failure. And so you feel like you're not earning love or you're not obtaining love that way. And then on the opposite end, if you have your desires and all that kind of stuff, then you feel like you have love, but mm -hmm. it's going to translate for people differently. So it's kind okay. of a tough question. So yes, it does. But I think it goes deeper than that. Okay. It's not, it's not necessarily love language to me. The love languages would be, Right. More accurate with that. But this does, you do have different Enneagram numbers they're going to incorporate mm -hmm. with the love languages. So, but I think you need both to really have a true picture of that part. Now, is there, who developed this? Like, 
where does it come from? Oh, it comes from a few different places. <laughs> I don't remember the, the person who originally started it, but it, it branched off. Um, there's been lots of different branches from it. Mm-hmm. They have revamped it. They've uh, changed up some of the different people. I mean, mm-hmm. different numbers. And then like the lady that I study under, she's taken this and mixed it with the gospel. So like it's evolved multiple different ways. So there's lots of different origins with it, but it's is old. there like one institute? So like, for example, the Myers-Briggs type is like, there is an M- MBTI institute that like, right. they said the standard is Enneagram the same thing? No, um, not to my knowledge. Now I could be wrong on that, but my understanding is it started, I mean, like 1800s or something like that. And then different people kind of ran with it and mm-hmm. branched off in different ways. Because you have more of like a scientific um, approach to it then you have on the opposite end of that you have more of the Christian part of it and then you have some that are just in the middle there is an Enneagram Institute that is a company but they did not start the Enneagram okay yeah related question why do you think humans love personality tests so much hmm I think we're just curious I think we're curious beings um I mean, I know I like it just because I'm like, oh, why do I do that? <laughs> like, I'm kind of like you. Yeah. I'm like nosy towards myself. Like, oh, <laughs> help me understand this. So I think yeah. just in general, we're just curious. And then also it could be too based on the wounding that we had as children looking, longing for or looking for completeness. I think we're always looking for that wholeness in general. And so using personality tests will allow us to uncover those places that we don't know about yet or that we don't understand that can bring, bring wholeness to us. I think they're interesting too, because humans are like really just metaphor machines. <laughs> so when I think about Enneagram, like it's, it's like getting a, like an affirmation card or a tarot card. It's like general enough that we insert our own meaning into it, but specific enough that we feel like it applies to us. And then we build out a story and a metaphor. And like, that's really how humans make sense of the world. Like, but humans are are such metaphor makers so I love the Enneagram is like a metaphor and the, that's why the archetypes work so well for like a framework on why do we do these things and you know where does this come from and it really like I love that you highlighted earlier like it gives you a choice to stay in this pattern or tweak the pattern as needed and I would imagine but you'll have to tell me if this is something that Enneagram coaches you or not to is help people like tap into different numbers at different times so they can like play to their strengths. Um, how does that work when you're like teaching someone to do that? So that's where it dives in way deep. <laughs> so grab your scuba <laughs> deer. <laughs> um, yes. Yes. So, and of course I won't go into all of that right now, but it's um, just in general, whenever you are a healthy version of yourself, Mm-hmm. meaning that you are understanding your the patterns that haven't served you and that you're grasping the ones that do and that Love move that. you forward. Um, a lot of times you'll take on characteristics of other numbers. Okay. So there's, so like a three and a six and a nine will be connected. So like a three, if they're going to be unhealthy, or not in alignment with themselves, not being true to themselves, they will gravitate towards a nine, an unhealthy nine. So a nine is just gonna throw up their hands and say, 
forget it, whatever. And I'll give you an example of this when the pandemic hit in March. So I launched my podcast in February and I'm like really high, excited. Yeah. Um, you know, oh, I did it. it. I launched it on my birthday. I mean, it was awesome. So that was February 24th. March hits. My kids are home. Right. The teachers have no idea how to do social, you know, the, the learning stuff, digital right. learning stuff. We don't know how to do it. Everybody's stressed out. Everybody's whatever. And I just completely halted. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know what I know everybody did. So this is not an extreme example. This It, it hit everybody by surprise. But like I didn't know what to do. And so I became an unhealthy nine and just completely gave up. I threw my hands up. I didn't work work on my business at all from March until, ooh, I want to say maybe August. Yeah. So just completely jumping back. Yeah. yeah. But then for a really healthy version is you'll go towards a six, which is funny since I'm married to a six, <laughs> but you'll go towards a healthy version of a six. And so you become more loyal. You become able to look at, at a business idea instead of guns a blazing, like, let's do it. Let's just do whatever. And we'll figure yeah. it out as we go. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, that's, that's how I work. So, yeah. but, but then going towards a six, a healthy six at that point, mm -hmm. you'd be like, okay, well this might work, but I do need to look at X, Y, and Z. I do need yeah. to pay attention to whatever. So it just helps you to be more grounded. So even though you are a certain number, like I said before, you're going to be all of them at different times. Sure. And so in a healthy state, in an unhealthy state, you're going to gravitate towards different things. And it's like the lattice work that you're talking about or the trellis. You'll be able to grow up it and you may go to the side and, all, you know, through the yeah. back and through the front and whatever. And that's OK as long as you're moving towards, you know, yeah. an upward direction. So you, it's funny that you say grounded because in my head I hear fluid. Um so for me, the way that I think about it and the, being able to transition into different like states, if you will, is the ability to move without much friction into what you need to be in that moment. So like to me, the epitome of like, thank you. The epitome of human health to me is fluidity yes. and like frictionless transition. So for me, I teach a lot about emotions and a lot of people, um, I recently had a lot of people with like panic attacks or anxiety attacks and they say, I'm on medication to stop them. I'm so, you know, I worry about having one. And I said, what if you just let it ride? What if you just had your tantrum, which is, you know, I use that word because it, like we never stop children having tantrums, right? We, they just ride and then they recon themselves down. They recalibrate right. themselves. Right. And so something I found has been really, really helpful for people, especially with like anxiety attacks, is just have the anxiety attack. It's mm -hmm. not going to last forever. You're not going to die. Um, it will come down and then the next one won't be so bad. So then we don't have all the fears with having the next anxiety attack. And what if I'm around people and blah, 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 blah. Because when we, when we don't allow ourselves to transition naturally to be who we need to be in a moment and to fluidly move between them, we get stuck. And that's when the friction happens. So that's how I like translated what you said. Yeah, no, I love that. And I, the title of a book, I don't know if you've ever read it. Um, it's called hurts, habits and hangups. And so, yeah, brilliant. yeah. And it's based on, so my husband had five years. Well, he had longer than five years, but he struggled with addiction for five years and uh, we've been married for 10. So he's been clean for five. He struggled with five. So we're, we're on the other end now, but, um, 
that was a book that was suggested to us because of that codependent and addictive behavior together, how we were just in that dysfunctional cycle. And so the thing that I love about the Enneagram is because it helps you identify your hurts, habits and hangups so that you can have that, you know, more fluid because that's that's what gets you stuck is you're like, okay, you have this, whatever it triggers you. Now you're mad. They don't understand why you're mad. They say something. Now it triggers you more. Now you're upset and you're stuck in this cycle over and over and over and over. So the Enneagram helps you to say, oh, wait, I I think this is going to come across like for me as a three. This is going to come across as being controlling. I need to reword this so that mm-hmm. he understands that I'm actually on his side and saying, listen, I'm thinking of what might happen. So yeah. I'm trying to be on that level with you, you. And, yeah. and tune into your frequency. I'm not trying to take over. You yeah. know, so that's what I love about it. It just helps identify those three that. things to me. All right. So how do people work with you? How do they find you? You said you have a, you have like resets, you have courses. How do people are like, man, Becky knows her SHIT. Like (laughs) how do they connect with you? So um, the most active place right now is probably Facebook. So I have a free group. It's called Full on Purpose Hangout. And then, thank you. And then of course I have a podcast, which is Mama Meets Enneagram. So do lots of interviews with, People like you who just bring it and help. Yeah. Um, and I also have a free um, a free mini master course about core motivations. Awesome. So if you want to have the link to that, it's about 30 minutes long. It comes with like a, a PowerPoint thing. So if you don't want to listen to me ramble for 30 minutes, you can just look at the PowerPoint and get the information. Listen to her. <laughs> but it'll help you to identify the core fear, desire, weakness, and longing. So you can pinpoint what your what your number is and at least have a better understanding. So, so it gives people a beginning. Yes. Gives you your okay. framework. Now, do you run, do you work with people in a group setting only or do you do individual coaching? What does that look like? Yeah. So right now I'm not doing either one right now. I'm yeah, I'm focused on getting the podcast episodes out so that I can kind of build the framework for when people do work with me, I can say, okay, let's go back to episode. What have you, I feel like that'll help. So I'm kind of right now just giving information and doing it that way, but I will soon have a course. I've been working on it behind the scenes. So in the works, but it's not out yet. So So they can find you on Facebook. Um, They can, we will link the website. We will link the masterclass, all of those good things. Um, We're at about 45 minutes. So anything that I missed that I don't know to ask because Enneagrams are new to me? No, I think um, one thing would be to, if you're going to take a test about it, just there are paid tests because this is what I get asked all the time, which test Mm -hmm. to take. Yes. And so the test that I personally like is with your Enneagram coach, which is where I went to school. So it is based on the gospel. So if that's in alignment with you, then that would be the test to take. If Mm -hmm. not, you can go to um, the Institute. What is it? The Enneagram Institute. If you just Google that, they do have a paid test that is not based in any type of anything. It's just straight Enneagram. And you feel Um, like those are more accurate, the paid test? The pay tests are more accurate. Yes. Um, I like the Enneagram coach one because it's free. It takes about 20 minutes to do. And it is, I'll give you the link for that one as well. Um, but I like the way that they explain it 
once you mm -hmm. get your number, they will give you just information at the bottom. I just feel like it's easier to understand on just without having any foundation of the Enneagram at all. Yeah. For me, some of the other stuff are a little bit more like getting into the weeds of things. And it's like, um, um, it's too much to understand. Yeah. It. So this to me just gives you a really good overview. So you take the test 20 minutes long, go back to my website, take the mini class. So you'll have your three, you know, top three from the test that you took and then go take the mini class, look at the motivations and you should be able to narrow it down from there Awesome. without, without spending a penny. There you go. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> Pandemic cheap. There um, you go. <laughs> are you going to have your own test someday? Is that something that you would like to do? Um, maybe for fun, not for, not to do the, um, to do the types because it's just so like, I feel like I would study forever and ever and ever and ever and never think it was good enough. <laughs> so I see that, um, that being something that would just take me a million years. So I leave that to people who are more fives, more analytical. They can, yeah. they can look um, at the sure. So if I had one, it'd probably be like, which hamburger are you based on your Enneagram? It would be something totally <laughs> Totally yeah, not helpful, but fun super quiz. fun. Super fun, yeah. What to order at In-N-Out Burger, based on yeah, your yeah. That's be, more up my alley. Yeah. Or like Chipotle. Yeah. <laughs> what color are you? What uh? <laughs> what, color are you? what should you name your dog? Yeah. Stuff that doesn't really have anything to do with anything, but it's just really yeah. Fun. <laughs> that's funny. So, what would you like to leave our listeners with? I would like to say that everyone deserves grace. And everyone is at a different, the way I like to think of it is a different level of light, a different level of understanding themselves. And so give grace and be patient and understand that everybody's at a different place, a different place in their journey. They don't know about you. You don't know about them. So just accept them for someone who is on their own journey. Powerful. I love radical acceptance. I think it's life changing. Yes. Just accept everything. Doesn't mean you have to like it. Nope. Doesn't mean you have to be mean either. <laughs> True. Yeah. All right, ma'am. Thank you so much. You're welcome. This has been you really name fun. Your Facebook group one more time and your website one more time, and then we will link everything. Totally. So I'm full on purpose, F U L L on purpose, all over on Facebook and Instagram and my website. Those are all the same. And Is it fullonpurpose.com? Yes. Okay. Yeah, you can do fullonpurpose.com forward slash Enneagram and you'll get the masterclass and you'll get the test. They're both linked there. That's hard um, to spell. <laughs> yes. And then, yeah, I'll type it out. And then um, it's Full On Purpose Hangout on hey. Facebook. Hangout. Awesome. It's ma'am. Thank you so much. Okay. It's been Thank amazing. Y'all, Becky has since rebranded her podcast and going in another direction. But if you would like more information on Enneagrams, please let me know. And I'm happy to refer you to another resource. And as always, tell me what your favorite part of that interview was because I'm nosy and I want to know how to better serve you. So if there is something we covered or didn't cover that you want to know more about, please let me know so that I can do a whole episode on it and get you what you want. Okay, y'all be good.